Welcome to Ghostly. Does Walt Disney haunt this earth? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real, and my job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. And as always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. So I want to start this off by apologizing for not doing this episode in December when we said we were going to do it. Um, we uh, like I got sick. Rebecca got sick. I got sick again. Rebecca got sick again. Yeah, I'm still working on the second one. So if my <laughs> voice is a little weird today. Uh, but we are so excited to be back. We are definitely excited to be back. And um, we hope you enjoyed the predictions episode with mm-hmm. Jacob Mayfield. Jacob Mayfield actually is going to be uh, a special guest on our Ghostly X live stream, where if you want to um, hear that, you're going to have to go to Patreon for that. But he's also going to be giving a um, one card reading to each person yeah. that is involved in the live stream. Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't checked out, checked out Patreon yet, this is a great time to do that. Absolutely. Uh, and if you haven't listened to that predictions episode, yeah, definitely take a listen. Always fun. Um, and in fact, if you like today's episode, we just did uh, a similar one in a way. Yes. Uh, related. Related. related one, yeah. uh, I should say, yeah, related um, on our Ghostly X live stream that we, we just did. Yeah. So. And it was about the Haunted Mansion ride. Yes. So, um, which actually has a lot of freaking history i gotta say <laughs> yeah i was surprised i didn't think a ride would have that much history but there you um go. okay so we're gonna be doing walt disney now we're not doing disneyland per se although it's gonna be covered in this we're not doing disney world per se but it's gonna be talked about in this we're not gonna be doing each individual film but some of them will be talked about so i'm sorry if i miss your favorite film in here there's just <laughs> There's just an overabundance of history when it comes to Walt. Some good, some bad. Yeah, but we're 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 talking about Walt Disney, the man, the myth, the legend, whatever you want to say <laughs> yeah. about him. Um and I I do we do just want to mention, you know, we know that his history like a lot of history um, isn't always perfect. Um, you know, certainly there are issues of racism and sexism and probably womanizer. Uh, I mean, or all of the things that we know. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're going to focus on, on him and his relationship to the company, yeah. you know, and the, and the movies and the things that came out. So that's kind of our, our focus for today. And then of course, does he still hang out here? Mm. That's the real question for today. Okay. All right. Uh, well, this is the part where we usually do shout outs on Ghostly. The first way uh, to give uh, to get a shout out would be to give us a review on Apple Podcast. And the second way and the last way is to become a member on Patreon. Uh, all you need to do is just go to ghostlypodcast.com, click on Patreon in the menu bar, and we have a lot of different tiers to choose from. And if you want to be on live with Jacob, yes. if you want to test it out for a month, you want to choose that VIP tier. Yeah, that's if you want to go live. If you just want to hear the episode, there's other tiers you can choose from. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us. We'd be happy to direct you in the right direction. Um, but we do have a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, Rebecca, can you read that review? Uh, absolutely. So we got this uh, from Debt Marty Hart. 
Yes. Um, and it's detective? five star too. I don't know. Five star entertaining. Yes. Uh, my favorite podcast is Gruesome. I have not listened to that. I yeah, but what a check name. It out. What a name that Great is. Great huh? name. Uh, I am all caught up, needing a fix. I began to look for a paranormal podcast where the hosts aren't screaming or dropping F-bombs every 30 seconds. Basically, I was looking for quality content presented by grownups. This is it. Very entertaining. Huh. Being a native Chicagoan, Southside. Southside. Uh, I've been privy to several of the stories. I look for logical explanations, and I'm pretty good at debunking claims. Having said that, I've seen some weird stuff. Mm. I can't dismiss ghosts. Great podcast. Highly recommend it. Well, thank you, Det Marty Hart, detective. I, I don't know. I'm not going to try to guess. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you. And uh, we would love to hear your weird stuff stories. Yes. And if you do have weird stuff stories, uh, all you need to do is just send it to us by email. You can email us at info at ghostlypodcast.com. Or you can use the contact us form on ghostlypodcast.com. Or one of our favorite ways is actually getting it in the mail itself. <laughs> so you can send that to P.O. Box number 264, Geneva, Illinois, 60134. And, you know, since we understand everybody listens to podcasts differently, uh, you probably aren't going to remember that. So you can just go to ghostlypodcast.com and scroll to the footer, all the information's there that you would need. Absolutely. So I do have a listener mail okay, for today. Um, this is one that relates back to Poinsett Bridge, oh, yeah, which yeah. is an episode we did not too long yes. ago. Uh, Cosmic Ember. Ooh. I don't know if that's a name or a nickname. Oh, whatever it is, I... I I think it's cool. We'll take it. Uh, so it says, uh, I have visited that bridge many times, and you said you had to walk a good way to get to it. You park across the street, you walk across the street, and it's literally right there. Mm. You can see it if you drive by. Uh, if you walk over the bridge and up a bit, there's a cave. I myself have one went out there, I'm guessing, at dusk and caught a large red orb on film. Nice. Never heard any sounds out there, but the energy is off. Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I I mean, we don't visit these a lot of these sites that we're doing episodes on. Like, I never met Walt Disney, so I don't know personally <laughs> who who he is and how he was. Um, so I really am thankful for people that write in and give us that heads up. Hey, you're a little wrong. It wasn't a far walk. Yeah, you know, that that's great. Thank you, Cosmic Ember. But I also like the it is some weird energy. Oh, I didn't like that part at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Cosmic Ember. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so we also have some poll results. Always got to oh, okay. get those all in right. here. We got to do it, I guess. We haven't done it in a while. This it, is the first of the year that we're doing so, it. It seems so... It's been so long. <laughs> um, even though we did December episodes, but... You yeah. Know. Uh, anyway, so this was from the Red Lion Pub. Mm, yes. So we had Mondo on and Jeannie on that episode. Uh, and yes was 42.9 oh. and no 57.1. Yeah, and the overall rating was 3.86. Now, from what I hear from reading the comments that people left, it's mostly because they it's a new building yeah. now. So had it have been the old building, some people would have voted differently. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. Take it. You know, you doesn't have to change your mind, but, you know, that that's where we landed. Yeah. I mean, I think that's actually pretty good for both sides there. So. <laughs> All right. I do have a ghost story. Oh, a ghost story.
I love Disney. I'm one of those kids that grew up as a fan and still am, even now in college. I decided to apply for the Disney College program and I got in. I'm at Disneyland working at a store on Main Street and I love it. Sometimes the guests are a little rude, but overall it's been a great opportunity. Something weird happened though. So every night when I leave, I always look at the fire station. That's where Walt Disney had his apartment when he would secretly stay when he was at the park. Supposedly, you would know if he was there because the front light would be on in the apartment upstairs. Today, employees usually turn the light on during the park hours as a tribute to Walt. So I met this employee who does work at the fire station and one of his jobs is to turn off that light. He told me he'd give me a behind the scenes tour of the apartment after I finished my shift. I know what you're thinking, but I promise it was all above board. Anyway, I met him last night right before the park was closing and he took me on the tour. It was amazing. It really felt like Walt was there. You can just feel his presence there. One of the last things my friend did was to turn off that front light. He gave me a look and said, you see, I turned it off, right? I said, yes, of course. He said, okay, I just have to be sure. Let's go. When we got downstairs and he started to lock everything up, I went to look back up at the apartment from the street now that I had been in it. The light was back on. I immediately told my friend someone must be still up there. He went and looked himself looked himself from the street and started shaking his head. No, he said, no one's up there. At least not anyone we can see. What? I asked. He told me, sometimes Walt's ghost is up there, and if he's not ready to leave, he turns that light back on. It happens a lot, he said. In fact, we've been told just to leave it if it happens, because he'll just keep turning it on. I wondered if it would happen tonight, and that's why I asked you to confirm if I turned it off. I have to say, this is probably going to be the best thing that's happened to me on this internship. I was in the same space as Walt. It's creepy. Yes. But it's also kind of special. All right. Well, uh, as always, I have to ask you how much of this story is based on any factual thing. So it is based on a ghost story that we're going to talk about. But I made up like these particular characters. Oh, okay. Um, all made up. All, <laughs> no, not all made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to mention though, part of my, I have a new job and one of my things in my new job is helping students um, get those D- Disney internships. Yeah. Not that I'm the decider or anything. But, but you spoke with the people at Disney. I did. I did. It's really yeah. exciting. Wow. Maybe one day you can go see that apartment. Maybe. All right. So we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to get to the history. Let's get into the pet facts. Pet facts. 
sex. <laughs> so this is a surprising fact to me. The f- right on, right <laughs> at the start, Walt Disney was born on December fifth, nineteen o one. So he's like you, uh, almost Christmas baby. Uh-huh. Um, he was born at twelve forty nine Trip Avenue in Chicago. There it is. He's a Chicagoan. He so, is. Yeah, I mean, there's always a Chicago connection to all these stories, yeah. I, I feel. Where I went to college, um, there's a Walt Disney, I think it's on, maybe it's an elementary school uh-huh. school or whatever uh, in the city, but yeah, I, and I, I guess I always kind of wondered why that, and that makes sense now. Wow, okay. Well, Walt was the fourth son of Elias Disney, who was from Canada, actually. Okay, so that sounds so weird that like before Walt Disney, there was there was a Disney. many branches of Disney's. Yeah, absolutely. And the name meant nothing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> not nothing, but nothing like it is today. No, I mean, Elias was definitely not at all like Walt. No. <laughs> uh, Walt's nationalities were Irish, German, and English, in case anybody, you know, wanted to know. Uh, Walt had three brothers, Herbert, Raymond, and Roy, and he had one sister, Ruth. And I'm sure we'll talk about Roy, but that's the name I know. A little tiny bit. And when Walt was just four years old, the family moved to Missouri, where his uncle Robert had purchased land. So it's in Missouri where Walt found his love for drawing when he got paid to draw a picture of a horse of a retired neighborhood doctor. Wow. I mean, he must have been drawing pretty well for even like... A neighbor to hire him oh, absolutely. to draw something. Absolutely. But think about this. So, like, if he didn't move to Missouri, he would never have got that, you know, lust for drawing. Well, maybe. I mean, he, Chicago has a lot of things to draw. But, I mean, this is where he picked it up, though. All right. Or at least that style or whatever. I, sure. You know, but, that's true. Okay. So, Elias was a subscriber to the um, Appeal to Reason newspaper. And Disney practiced drawing um, by copying the front page cartoons of Ryan Walker. Walt also lived near some major railways and became enamored with trains. The Disney family were active members of a congregational church. And in 1911, Walt and family moved to Kansas where he befriended Walter Pfeiffer. Walter Pfeiffer's family were theater people, or theater nerds as, you know... <laughs> We are so called, and um, and I am one of them, by the way, and introduced Walt to uh, vaudeville and movies. I wonder if Walter Pfeiffer is somehow related to Michelle Pfeiffer. You look it up. I'll have to look it up. Before long, Disney was spending more of his time at the Pfeiffer's house than at home. Elias had purchased a newspaper delivery route for the Kansas City Star and Kansas City Times. Walt and his brother, Roy... Uh, woke up at 4.30 every morning to deliver the times before school and repeated the the round for the evening star after school. So the schedule was exhausting, and Disney often received poor grades after falling asleep in class, but he continued his paper route for more than six years. So I've done a paper route when I was younger, and getting up that early, you know, and it was like seven days a week, pretty mm. much. It was, it's it's crazy. Um, So he attended Saturday courses at Kansas City Art Institute and also took a corresponding course in cartooning. In 1917, Elias um, bought stock in a Chicago jelly producer, the Ozell Company. Oh, interesting. I've never heard of it. No. And he moved back to the city with his family. So if 
not for Missouri though. He would not have had that right. you know, interest Connection. in drawing. So mm-hmm. I mean, this is perfect. He went right back to Chicago then. Mm-hmm. You find anything about the Pfeiffer family? It's hard to really tell. It looks like maybe Walt Pfeiffer was someone who worked on Disney projects later as he an did. animator. He did, so, yes. but I don't know with connection to Michelle. Okay. Yeah. Disney enrolled at um, McKinley High School. You've heard of McKinley. It's still I around. I have, I have. Yeah. Yeah. And he became the cartoonist of the school newspaper. Of course, they, they probably didn't even have a cartoonist before that. Just, <laughs> right. He's like, hey, this is what I can do. And they're like, cool, let's do it. Uh, he was drawing uh, patriotic pictures about World War I. He also took night courses at the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts. In 1918, he attempted to join the United States Army to fight the Germans. But he was rejected as he was too young. So he forged uh, his date of birth on his birth certificate, and he joined the Red Cross in September of 1918 as an ambulance driver, and he was shipped out to France, but he arrived before um, November where they signed a treaty where there would be no more war there. I was going to say 1918, it's just about over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he drew cartoons on the side of his ambulance for decoration and had some of his work published in the Army newspaper. Uh, called Stars and Stripes. You probably heard of that. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like he really just was that that kid that just liked drawing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was drawing everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, he returned to Kansas City in October of 1919, uh, where he worked as an apprentice artist at the um, Pesben Rubin com- Commercial Art Studio, where he drew commercials, illustrations for ad- advertising, theater programs, and catalogs. And he befriended fellow artist Ub Iwerks. In January 1920, as Pesman Rubin's uh, revenue declined after Christmas, Disney at age 18 and Iwerks uh, were laid off and they started their own business, the short lived Iwerks Disney commercial artist. The company produced commercials using cutout animation technique. And Disney became Interested in an animation at that point, although he did prefer still drawing cartoons such as Mutt and Jeff and Max Fletcher's Out of the Inkwell. Mm. Uh, with the assistance of a borrowed book on animation and a camera, he began, he began experimenting at home. And he came to the conclusion that cell animation was more promising than the cutout method. Rebecca, can you tell us what cell animation is? The cell animation process was invented by Earl Hudd and John Bray in 1915. The cell is an important innovation to traditional animation, as it allows some parts of each frame to be repeated from frame to frame, thus saving labor. A simple example would be a scene with two characters on screen, one of which is talking and the other is standing silently. Since the latter character is not moving, it can display in the scene using only one drawing or on one cell, while multiple drawings on multiple cells are used to animate the speaking character. Yeah. So they're like clear and you can kind of just replace it over, like over top the the one with the still character. Kind of, yeah. 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 Uh, it's used in like, um, it's, it's actually called traditional animation now too. Right, right. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it though. Mm-hmm. So he was... Unable to persuade Cowger to try cell animation at the company, so Disney op- opened a new business with a co-worker from the film ad company, uh, Fred Harmon. Their main client was the local New- Newman Theater, 
and the short cartoons that they produced were sold as Newman's Laughograms. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting to think that, you know, I mean, he really did commercial art for a big part of the beginning of his career. And I think sometimes people that go into art think they can just do the fine art, you know, right away. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. But it's like, no, sometimes you got to do other things first, yeah. and, you know, while you're working on other stuff. Not always. I mean, it is just he—he he did a lot to get where he was. I'm—I'm yeah. I'm impressed by how much schooling he did while he was still in high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to night school, and you know, it's just he—he he did a lot of things. So, you know, if you want to be successful, it's possible you just might have to do double the work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in May of 1921. The success of the Laughograms led to the establishment of Laughogram Studio, for which he hired more animators, including Fred Harmon's brother, Hugh, Rudolph, Ising, and Iwerks. Uh, Disney moved to Hollywood in July of 1923 at 21 years old. Although New York was the center of the cartoon industry, he was attracted to Los Angeles because his brother Roy was recovering from tuberculosis there, and he hoped to become a live-action film director. That's so. All of that was before he was twenty-one, right? Yeah, amazing. Walt and his brother Roy formed the Disney Brothers Company or studio. Uh, later, it became Walt Disney Company to produce some of uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland comedies. The first official Walt Disney Studio was established at two seven two five Hyperion Avenue. Uh, the building was demolished in nineteen forty, though. Early in 1925, Disney hired a ink artist, uh, Lillian Bonds. Uh, they married in July of that year. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see. Uh, Walt and Iwerks uh, developed a new character named Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. who uh, might have been inspired by a pet mouse that Walt had adopted while working in his Laughogram studio. Walt's original choice uh, of the name was Mortimer Mouse. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that'd be, doesn't it quite roll <laughs> off the tongue as well? Yeah, uh, good thing his wife Lillian thought it too pompous and suggested Mickey instead. Oh, good job, Lillian. Disney, uh, who had begun to distance himself from the animation process, provided Mickey's voice until 1947. Uh, in the words of one of Disney's employees, Ub designed Mickey, uh, Mickey's physical appearance, but Walt gave him his soul. No. That version of Mickey Mouse is now lost in its copyright and can be used by anyone. Yeah, people think of it as the Steamboat Willie version. Yeah, or the black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Disney had a nervous breakdown in October 1931, caused from a lot of work that he was doing at that time and negotiations he had with people. Um, so he and Lillian took an extended holiday to, to Cuba and a cruise to Panama to recover. Uh, Disney Studios signed a contract with Columbia Pictures to distribute the Mickey Mouse cartoons, uh, which became increasingly popular, including internationally. Disney and his crew also introduced new cartoon stars like Pluto in 1930, Goofy in 1932, and Donald Duck in 1934. (laughs) All good ones. Yeah. In 1933, Disney produced Three Little Pigs, a film uh, described by the media historian Adrian Danks as the most successful short animation of all time. Wow. 
The film won Disney's uh, Disney another um, Academy Award in the short subject cartoon category, and the film's success led to further increase in the studio staff, which numbered nearly 200 by the end of the year. By 1934, Disney had become dissatisfied with producing uh, formulaic uh, cartoon shorts and believed a feature-length cartoon would be more profitable. So the studio began the four-year production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, based on the fairy tale. Snow White premiered in December of 1937 to high praise from critics and audience. I remember that. All right, I don't remember. I wasn't <laughs> you remember around, that? <laughs> but I remember hearing... That Maybe was your ghost big, then. <laughs> that was a really big deal. I don't think there yeah. had really been like a too much of like full movie animations before, especially for kids. Not, no. Yeah, for kids yeah. and being that successful. Yeah, it yeah. was big. Yeah, back then the theater was something you did with your whole entire family. Mm-hmm. So to have something just for the kids was was different. Yeah, and kids would go by themselves to the theater then too. Yeah, there you go. Just to see that. With work on Snow White finished, the studio began producing Pinocchio in early 1938 and Fantasia in November of that same year. Both films were released in 1940 and neither performed well at the box office. Wow. Partly because revenues from Europe had dropped um, following the start of the World War II in 1939, uh, the studio uh, had a ton of loss on both pictures and was deeply in debt by the... uh, End of February 1941. Wow. I mean, I guess I can figure Fantasia, you know, a lot of people with classical music, but Pinocchio. Yeah. Uh, In response to the financial crisis, Disney did not act um, exactly well. Uh, Walt and his brother Roy started the company's first public stock offering in 1940 and implemented heavy salary cuts. Okay. Yeah, the later measures and Disney's sometimes high-handed and insensitive manner of dealing with staff led to a 1941 animator strike, which lasted five weeks. Okay. So uh, the strike temporarily interrupted the studio's next production of Dumbo, 1941, which Disney produced in a simple and inexpensive manner. The film received a positive reaction from audience and critics alike. Shortly after the release of Dumbo in... October of 1941, the U.S. entered World War II. Disney formed the Walt Disney's training film unit with, uh, within the company to produce instructional films for the military, such as four methods of flushing, riveting, and aircraft production methods. And I did hear that the army or the government like asked him to do that too. I mean, I, I mean, I think yeah. he wanted to. It wasn't that he, he didn't want to, but um, it was definitely a collaboration between the government and, and the Disney studios oh, yeah. for sure. And also during this time, um, he ramped up production of uh, Donald Duck as he was a sailor. Ah, So okay. that kind of fit into things. Makes sense. People were more patriotic at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the early 1950s, though, Disney produced Cinderella, his uh, studio's first animated feature in eight years. It was, it was popular with the critics and theater audiences. Costing $2.2 million to produce, it earned nearly $8 million in its first year. There you go. For several years, Disney had been considering building a theme park. Uh, when he visited Griffith Park in Los Angeles with his daughters, he wanted, wanted it to be a clean, unspoiled park where both children and their parents could have fun. 
In March of 1952, he received zoning permission to build a theme park in Burbank near the Disney uh, Studios. But this site proved to be way too small for what he wanted. And a larger plot in Anaheim, which was 35 miles south of the studio, was purchased. To distance the uh, project from the studio, which might attract criticism of shareholders, remember it was now a open commodity. Right, right. Uh, Disney formed um, WED and Enterprises, now Walt Disney Imagineering, and uh, used his own money to fund a group of designers and animators to work on plans. Those involved becoming um, um, became known as the Imagineers. And in mid-1954, Disney sent his Imagineers to every amusement park in the United States to analyze what worked and what pitfalls or problems there were in the various locations and incorporated their findings into his design. Construction work started in July of 1954 and Disneyland opened in July of 1955. The opening ceremony was broadcast on ABC, which reached 70 million viewers. All right. So that was definitely a good publicity stunt for them. Mm -hmm. The park was designed as a series of themed lands linked by the central main street. So you have uh, USA, a replica of the main street in his hometown of Marcellin. Um, The connected themed areas were Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. ABC was a major contributor to Disneyland. Uh, what they got out of the deal, though, was a TV spot, uh, one of the most popular being the Mickey Mouse Club. There you go. And I just want to stop for a second because if you haven't been to Disneyland, um, it's really different. You know, I grew up going to Disney World because yeah. we're kind of on the other side of the country and I had family down there. Um, but I have gone to Disneyland a couple times and it's it's so much um, different. Like Disney World, it's like a big deal to get there. Like mm-hmm. you have to go through all these layers of parking lots and all this stuff. Whereas Disneyland, it's just like like going to like a Six Flags almost. I mean, it's bigger. Don't get me wrong, but like you people can don't know what Six Flags you, is necessarily. Oh, though. Well, just a smaller. They're, they're theme more park, around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, they're around the country, but yeah. like like a regular theme park where like you can almost kind of drive around it a little bit. Sure, it's just, it's just different. But um, but there there's a lot uh, similar. Yeah. So for those that don't know, the Mickey Mouse Club was a variety show uh, catering specifically to children. And it had a lot of stars in it like Britney Spears (laughs) and Christina (laughs) Aguilera, JT. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, In late 1965, he announced plans to develop another theme park to be called Disney World. Mm -hmm. Now it's called Walt Disney World. Uh, A few miles southwest of Orlando, Florida. Disney World was to include the Magic Kingdom, a larger and more elaborate version of Disneyland, plus golf courses and resort hotels. The heart of Disney World was known as the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, or EPCOT for short, which he described as an experimental prototype community of tomorrow that will take its cue from the new ideas and new technologies that are now emerging from the creative centers of American industry. It will be a community of tomorrow that will never be completed, but will always be introducing and testing and demonstrating new materials and systems. And Epcot will always be a showcase to the world for the ingenuity and imagination of American free enterprise. All right, so you've been to Epcot a bunch of times, right? <laughs> yes. Now, would you say that it lives up to that definition? No. No. It, you know, it, they ended up 
having to make changes and it really became more of a theme park yeah. rather than, you know, what he talked about there. Um, there for a long time, there were these two, the, I forget what they were called, like the communication or community computer. I wish I'm sorry. The Disney fans are like freaking out right now at me, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, like right when you walk in and they would like, like that's the first place I saw HDTV, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and th- that kind of went away. I, I don't know. I, I think they've revamped it since the last time I was there. But um, so they have some of this, but it's nothing like what he had originally imagined. So what what's the ride that was in the like dome type area? Oh yeah, the ride in the dome is um, it's it's I of course I can't remember. The was name it the World of Tomorrow? Well, the whole area is kind of like is, to, is like the world of tomorrow, but that yeah. it's the it's the ride at least, and they could be called that again. I am sorry, I am a Disney file, but like not that <laughs> much of one. Um, but it's the ride where it goes through the history of communication. Yeah, and it also talks about things that they're going to be coming up with, like the flying cars. And yeah, stuff like they that. will put a bunch of the rides in there. Will talk about like future stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember going through that. So. Yeah. All right, Disney had been a heavy smoker since World War One. He did not use cigarettes with filters, and he smoked a pipe as a young man. Uh-oh. In early 1966, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and was treated with oh, cobalt therapy. I've never heard of cobalt. Cobalt therapy. Yeah. Um, on November 30th, he felt unwell and was taken by ambulance from his home to St. Joseph's Hospital, where on December 15th, at age 65, he died of circulatory collapse. Uh, caused by the cancer. His remains were cremated two days later and his ashes interred at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California. So, before we wrap up the history, yeah, because I know some of you right now are thinking, but wait. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, we wanted to make sure we talk about this uh, cryogenic (laughs) theory that's out there. So in early 1967, right? So mm-hmm. not long after he died, right? Because he died December 15th in 66, right? So just a few weeks later, a reporter for the tabloid newspaper called the National Spotlight mm-hmm. claimed he had snuck into St. Joseph's Hospital in Burbank directly across the street from the Disney studios and where he was treated during his final illness. As the story went, the reporter disguised himself as an orderly broke into a storage room and saw the deceased Disney suspended in a cryogenic metal cylinder. Whoa. Some went as far as to claim his burial spot was a freezer stored underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. <laughs> so that's a common common story. Uh, in 1969, the French magazine EC uh, Paris and later still the National Tattler in the United States the National Tattler <laughs> advanced the rumors by predicting Disney would be thawed out in 1975. Uh, some went as far as to claim that his burial spot was a freezer. Oh, sorry, underneath um, the pirates. Sorry, that was from a different one. Uh, and then uh, there were several former employee Disney employees who continued to spread false stories about these big freezes uh, during the 1990s. There were more discredited legends about with expert quotes. Um, basically, none of this is true. What what you said is absolutely yeah. true. 
<laughs> he was in fact um, cremated. His whole entire body, his including whole entire head, body, including his head, including his head. Small private service only uh, attended by his wife and his daughters and their husbands and children. Um, I mean, you know, I think people want it to be true because they want him to come back and you know he did like future stuff but yeah there's few men that i would say that changed the world and he's definitely one of them yeah and i think anytime you know like it wasn't on tv we didn't see things you know then there's just all these rumors that happened but it's crazy to me that it started like right basically when he died well remember in the walking dead if you don't see somebody die yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> if they're just hiding behind a garbage dumpster thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah well that's all i got for the history i oh, mean that's that's, a, that's it yeah i mean <laughs> i could probably whip up another half hour if you give me some time you know but i don't, sure I don't think more. we need it yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we need it <laughs> I think that's enough to um, summarize the man's life. I mean, I, I mean, I hope one day somebody does a ghostly about me, and they have a tough time summing up the history of there the person. Because I mean, that's a tribute to Walt's success. Is that it's impossible to say it all in an hour-long podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and uh, he was really close to his brother, who took over after him. Um, and he, you know, loved his kids, Yeah, you know, but I think his big part of his story was really the, what he, his legacy he left us with movies and yeah. the parks and everything. Absolutely. He, he put ev- everything in, into those things. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we're going to take another break and when we return, we're going to get to the debate. Rebecca, are you ready for a debate? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So guests claim to see ghosts all the time mm-hmm. at Disney World and Disneyland, both places. Yeah. Um, and especially of Walt Disney himself. Mm-hmm. So there is one amateur paranormal investigator who would not reveal their name because um, they didn't want to get any cast members in trouble. Um, but she said that she was once in the park after hours. Uh, I'm assuming it's the cast member too that maybe, or maybe the cast member let her in to do the investigating. I don't know. Uh, But says she was once in the park after hours when she saw something in fantasy land. We saw a man standing just outside the castle on the drawbridge. He smiled and waved. She said, recognizing him as Walt. He stayed for about 20 seconds and then slowly disappeared. It was the second time the cast member friend who would let her into the park after hours had seen Walt at the park. Okay. So I have um, heard many versions of this story, but it's, 
I mean, it's the same story. So it's yeah. that they saw. Always in oh, Fantasyland? Mm-hmm, on that bridge. Okay. So I'm going to say that uh, given the the size and the nature of the park, it is meant to distort your uh, perspective, right? Because you're in Fantasyland, um, Adventureland. These are not things you would find in California at that particular location. So I, I just think it is something that is already distorting your perspective and that um, the idea of Walt Disney himself can distort your perspective and make you think of stuff like that, especially the legends surrounding him with his head being frozen and stuff. I mean, everybody knows that and people talk about it and stuff. And if you're going to Disney, you have an idea of who Walt Disney was. I mean, I guess I will say, you know, is it possible that it was a ghost of another man? Possibly. You know, maybe they they assume it's Walt. I don't um, think it's a ghost at all. I, I think it's just like an illusion. So mm, okay. I'm going to give it a zero. Okay. Uh, well, I am going to give it a six. Six. Okay. Um, you know. That's not that high for you. I mean, you've No, I higher. think there's other ones that see. Because again, for me, do you know, do I so, think they saw something? Yes. But it's hard to know for sure because it wasn't like they were right next to it. Okay. So that's why not higher? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, it could have been somebody else or sure. whatever. Um, okay. I think it's a person if they saw anything at all. Mm. Yeah. All right. So another cast member, mm-hmm. uh, former cast member, uh, Daryl Wagner has two ghost stories. So we'll do one, we'll talk about it, and then we'll do the other. Okay. Um, the first one he says is about Walt Disney's love of trains. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that yeah. as in your history. Uh, and in particular, the Disneyland Railroad that circles the park. Uh, quote, the train command center has a board that shows where the trains are on the track, he says. Late at night in the far corner, a train would show on the board and the whistle would blow even though there was no train out there. The old guys used to say that's Walt's train. So this guy spoke out on the record about it, um, but there's definitely been a lot of stories from employees about this over the years. Mm, I'm thinking it's glitchy equipment. Um and that it wouldn't matter much because of the late at night time that they, it's like, well, we don't really need to fix this right away because, I mean, obviously there's no train, um, but it's just glitchy, glitchy machinery. But only glitchy at night? Like Maybe it's, it's glitchy during the day too, but there's trains actually running on the track, so they don't notice that. Or maybe it's because of the lack of trains and the equipment still being on that they notice it. I don't know. I think Walt is definitely doing it. He loves trains and he's waiting until nighttime. Loved. Well, his ghost (laughs) loves trains and he does it. Uh, I mean, he's got this like whole park to haunt. Like how fun is that? And so sometimes he goes and he plays with the trains and sometimes he's hanging out on the bridge. <laughs> I'm going to give it a zero, it. Rebecca. I'm sorry. All right. This one's a seven for me. Seven. Wow. We okay. have a person who put their name on the story. Yeah, they did. And they're referring to other employees who have also seen it. Mm, okay. All right. Um, next one. Uh, this is the other story from Daryl. Uh, mm-hmm. um, he says has to do with Walt Disney's famous smoking habit. Mm, so yeah. this is super common to, for people to tell stories like this. Um, Lillian Disney 
made sure that Walt wasn't seen smoking in public areas around kids. Mm. So he used to go out to the staircase behind the his apartment to smoke. As I mentioned earlier, Walt literally had an apartment yeah. on property at mm-hmm. Disney at uh, Disneyland. Um, so uh, he used to go behind the, his apartment to smoke, Wagner says. After Walt died, my security supervisor used to smell cigarette smoke back there almost every night. He used to try to hide to catch the smoker. He never did and never found cigarette butts, but he always smelled fresh smoke. He finally concluded it was Walt sneaking a last smoke. Mm. Well, as a former smoker, although I'm sure I didn't smoke as much as Walt did, people back in those days would smoke like four, five packs a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes that could get, um, the smell of the cigarettes can get stuck in rocks, can get stuck in woodwork, and it can be there forever if it's not properly disinfected. Um, so I'm thinking that it's just lingering I, I I think he is smelling cigarettes. Yeah. I think literally it is the cigarettes. I think the only thing is that he says it smelled like fresh smoke as opposed to like there is a definite difference when it's like old stale smoke mm. smell. I don't know. I've I quit smoking about a year ago and I, I, I can still taste it sometimes. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's crazy to say that it could be in the in the walls or whatever, even outside. Mm. So I'm going to give this one a zero as well. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, again, this is a particular person sharing a story that he heard. Yeah, this is um, the same same guy. Same as the last guy. One. Yeah. Um, but there are other um, st- people. Uh, more people have also but, claimed, but also to smell it. also he heard it from somebody else. So he it's mm-hmm. not firsthand account. It's no, secondhand. no. Um, again, it's a it's a common one though. Yeah. So uh, for me, this one's a six. Okay. Yeah. All right, we have one more. All right. Okay. So there's a lot of hauntings at Disney or mm-hmm. claims of hauntings. Again, we just did an episode, uh, Ghostly X episode, mm-hmm. live on the haunted mansion. So if you want to go listen to that, there's other rides that people claim are haunted. But we're again focusing on Walt Disney himself. Yeah. Okay. So one last story that this goes back to the story that I told. Okay. At the beginning. So many claim that Walt Disney is still at the park. He had an office over the fire station on Main Street, and cast members say they would turn the light off only to have it turn back on by itself. Uh, there's been many employees that have claimed to experience this over the years. Sometimes they even claim to see him in shadow next to the light. Okay. One employee even claimed to see Walt when he went back in to figure out who had turned the light back on. Okay, well, I'm going to start with the light itself. Um, so this, so that particular location is 60, 70 years old. Okay, imagine the wiring that goes into a theme park. Imagine how complicated that is. There's so much electricity being drawn, so much, so many wires. So many controls. It surprises me that they don't automate that more. Why do they have somebody actually in charge of turning off the light? That seems weird. Um, So I am going to say, first of all, it might be automated and it's not its time to be turned off. So it turns itself back on. But second, maybe it's just faulty wiring. I mean, it is possible that this is 70 years old. I don't think they've rewired the whole entire place since then. Uh, well, I, I think they, they do a lot. I, I will say the stories of this started, 
you know, pretty early on after he passed. Yeah. Um, so it's been going on a while. Um, I, I had actually read in one place and then I couldn't find it anywhere else again. I'm sure, again, somebody that works at the park would know, but um, that there was a time where they just kept the light on all the time because they were like tired of dealing with him turning it back on. I mean, okay, well, think about it. Nintendo, the original Nintendo, you had to blow in the cartridges and, and Super Nintendo, you had to blow in the cartridges. From the regular Nintendo to Super Nintendo, they didn't fix the problem, okay? It was, a, it was a known problem. It affected every single person. They didn't do anything to fix it. It's because it is it is not the most exact thing to fix these kind of things. But it doesn't do it during the day. Maybe it does. Maybe people just don't see it because the light's on already. <laughs> or because it's light outside. But again, I don't know why they don't automate that. I mean, and maybe by now they have. I don't know, but yeah. um, so you I'm, know, these I'm stories gonna, have been around a long time. I'm going to call BS on this one. I'm sorry. This one is totally, totally. I don't think it is possible because they would have done something about that already. Now, what do you claim though, or what do you what do you say about the claims that people see Walt? I think they want to see Walt. I think that's the reason why, and because they know about the light thing. I think that that's why, and it's like an. Like a, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's like the placebo effect kind of thing. They they know about this and it doesn't do anything to them, but all of a sudden it has some kind of result. I mean, so again, the the employee there that like went back in after work. That's one employee. We don't know the name of this in, this particular employee. No, no, just heard it was a security guard. So it could just be made up too. So I'm saying it's just one one employee that we hear of but we don't know a name we and it's bunched in with the story so i'm just going to say it could be made up <laughs> it could be so or it could be true what's easier to believe that it's true that it's made up it's easier that, to that believe that all these it's people made up. are lying no I zero believe it's zero, true zero 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 and in in fact if i can go negative on this one i would <laughs> i'm going to give this one a 7 all right again a 7 this one this one's a big one this one's very common a story a lot of people know if there was one place this man was going to haunt, it would be his his apartment um, for sure. You know, I mean, I think it's hard because we have stories from specific people. We have stories that are told to other people, um, but they're all there. They're all the stories. So uh, I think there's right. a lot to uh, to think about. So what would be your overall rating? then? So my overall rating is going to be seven because I can't do a half. Okay. Mine is going to be zero. I did zero for every single one of them. So I'm going to go zero, unfortunately. I mean, you know, it would be cool to have something like this. But if if this was so prevalent, then they can just send investigators there and everybody would know. Disney Disney's not going to do that. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will... Time each other on our cell phones to keep each other honest. Rebecca, are you ready? I am ready. And go. Okay. So as I said, there are a lot of stories, very common stories that have been told over the years with the cigarette smoke and the light specifically, um, but also, you know, people seeing him in different places in the park. And while I can definitely buy the fact that, you know, hey, if it was somebody you saw across the way and it was a shadow, you don't know. But when you're in his apartment and you're seeing him when the light is turning itself off or on, you know, every night uh, or multiple times um, a night, it just, I'm sorry, I think there's something there. 
Um, and, you know, we do have people that have given their names. We have people that have told these stories. Um, and there's just too many. So right. I believe that it is haunted. Okay. You still had like 10 seconds left. I know. Wow. I didn't need a whole lot of time because it's haunted. All right. All right. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, go. So there's no, there's nothing saying that it happens every single night. It happens some nights. And therefore, it, it seems so irregular that I would say that it couldn't be a ghost because ghost would happen more regular. It'd be um, like a more common thing that would happen. So I'm thinking that this is something that is more just electrical. The smoking one, I mean, come on. You can smell smoke on, a, on a, an area where a smoker was for a very long time. Uh, all the rest of the stuff I just think is just a bunch of speculatory things. I mean, I I don't think there's any real evidence to go by in this one, to tell you the truth. So I'm going to say not haunted. You can vote whichever way you would like, um, but make sure you go vote at ghostlypodcast.com and go to the polls section. Absolutely. We need your vote. Absolutely. Uh, so I want to thank everyone so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. And make sure you tell everyone we're back. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we took a little sabbatical there, but we are back. We are back. Remember to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet already. And we have uh, some VIP producers that I would like to bring up in this particular episode. We have Andrew. Alicia. Becky. Kim. Ernie. Cindy, Kevin, Jessica, Alice, Aaron, Hope, and Candy. Yes. And um, on the next episode, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about the Anchorage Hotel. Oh, we're going to Alaska. Before the winter ends, we're going to Alaska. Have you been watching that um, True Detective? I have. It's so so fun. Alaska-based and not exactly Anchorage, but, um, you know, as close as we can get to there. Um, Super And that comes out on February 21st. So until next time. Stay ghostly. Bye.